I invite you to kneel with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you that it is through the name and the authority and the grace of Jesus Christ that we can come into your presence only through his grace and mercy. We thank you. Lord God, we thank you that you are here with us right now. God, you, you know what's going on in our hearts and our minds and the details of our lives. God, you know everything. God, I pray for those here who feel a sense of hopelessness, you'll speak hope to them. God, for those who feel unloved, may they receive a fresh encounter of your love. God, for those who feel chained and captive, may you proclaim a word of release and freedom. God, we anticipate hearing from you in these moments together as we open your word. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. A while back, I had a strange dream. I dreamt that I was riding down the highway in a white motorcycle, flying down the highway. Now listen, I've never owned a motorcycle. I've never driven a motorcycle. I have no midlife crisis desire to buy a motorcycle. But in this dream, I am just cruising 65, 70 miles an hour down the highway in this white motorcycle. All of a sudden, in the middle of the highway, there's a stoplight. I guess I'm in Austin or something like that, but, <laughs> right? So I try to stop, but I can't, and I just cruise through the stoplight. I lose balance on my motorcycle. My bike goes this way. I fly this way about 50 yards, totally out of control. Finally, I, I, after I slide, I get up and I'm looking around like, where in the world is my motorcycle? So I noticed there's some woods there. So I said, hey, I'm gonna go off in the woods and try to find uh, my bike. And I go into the woods and I search and I look and somehow, some way, I'm not gonna clean this up. Remember, this is a dream. My, don't you hate it when you hear someone, someone tells you their dreams and it's all cleaned up and neat and tidy? I'm not doing that. This is what happened, okay? I think they're lying most of the time. But anyway, so I look and my, my bike, my white motorcycle has turned into a yellow rent-a-car <laughs> that's totaled. It's totaled. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, what am I going to do now? And then, boom, I wake up. And do you ever wake up from a dream? You're like, whew, man, I'm so glad that was a dream. But even though I don't have a motorcycle or a yellow rent-a-car, we all know consciously or subconsciously in our mind how dangerous it is to be on any street, any road in this world. It can be a matter of life and death. I remember waking up from that dream thinking, man, I'm, I'm just glad to be alive. I'm glad to be alive. And I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that you made it here. You made it to 2023, day number eight, alive in one piece. And what that means is this, and I have confidence in this, is that if you're here today, that God is not finished with you 
yet. And what God started in your life, what God started in your life, God will finish it. God is a finisher. But it's amazing going back to dreams and our minds, all the things that can happen and take place. Because when we're dreaming, think about this, it's like we're no longer volitional. When we go to sleep, we go to sleep and we kind of enter into this a different world, this different space, if you would, of the subconscious where we are no longer in charge of what's going on inside of our mind. I'm reminded of a quote from John Milton in his classic, The Inferno. He said, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. All that happens in our minds, all that happens with our thoughts, our perceptions, our expectations. So much of life, so much of this new year in 2023 in January, it's all about expectations and expectations are how we picture things will turn out. Expectations are how we hope and anticipate life will be. They're great expectations, they're low expectations, they're high expectations, they're unrealistic expectations. They're all kind of expectations that we bring to the table and into the Lord's house today. Someone said years ago, they said, expectations are premeditated resentments. And I think that's a little bit harsh. I, I would say that false expectations or unrealistic expectations are premeditated resentments. You say, what does that mean? That means when we expect something to happen in our life, we expect our life to turn out this way, but our life is really that way, and we're dealing with this, then we can get bitter and angry and frustrated and disappointed. Someone said that, you know, there, there's a formula, what, expectations, you know, minus reality equals disappointment. When we want our kids to turn out this way, and they turn out that way, our expectations, that can lead to resentment. When you're a parent, when you're a kid, and you want your parents to do this, but they do that, that leads to resentment, can it? Expectations. What's going on in our mind can create a heaven or a hell. What do we do with all of our expectations? What we expect of our spouse, what we expect of our kids, what we expect is gonna happen in the new year and our company with our finances. Expectations are everything. So what should you expect when you're expecting? Girls, we're all pregnant here today, pregnant with expectations. And what should we realistically expect? What should we expect from life? What should we expect from God? And most importantly, this is what we looked at last week when some of you played hooky. What does God expect from us? 
You ever thought about that? Does God have expectations upon you and expectations upon me? I, I believe that he does. So let's turn, if you would, to what some people believe is the most important passage in the entire Bible. Now that's a big statement, isn't it? The most important passage in the entire Bible. I didn't say it's the goat, Romans 8. I said it's the most important passage in the entire Bible. And when we look at this passage, we'll discover, I think, how to grow, how to change, how to find purpose in life, how to deal with our expectations in 2023. It's John chapter number one, verse one, following. Here's what he writes, look on the screen. He says, in the beginning was the logos. Your translation may say word. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos, logos was with God, and the logos was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. John, in his prologue to this magnificent literary masterpiece, this gospel, starts off the, 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 his book in the beginning. And it's not really in the beginning, it's not really Genesis 1-1. He's going back, 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 before there was time, before there was space. He's saying before there was a creation, before there was a universe or a multiverse or anything existed, this logos, this word, this wisdom, this reason, this logic was co-eternal, co-equal with God. So. The, the people that were listening and reading his words in the first and second century, when they heard the word logos, beep, 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 they, they immediately had a context for that. We don't, we don't. But, but logos was a term first used by Heraclitus in 500 BC to, to refer to the rational principle that connected everything in the universe. Then the Stoics picked it up with Zeno in 300 BC, how it was imminent in all things that allowed us as human beings to make sense of reality and make sense and purpose of our lives. And then Philo uh, was a Jewish philosopher in 50 AD during the time of Christ and Paul, and he also used the term logos. So when, he, when John used this term logos, it was intentional. It was intentional. And what he did was he took a very contemporary, understandable, philosophical concept and term and reality that had been in his culture for centuries and took it to a higher level. When he said this logos is co-eternal, co-equal. It transcends the universe. It created the universe out of nothing. All things were made by this logos. Everything exists is dependent upon this logos. Everything that exists is contingent upon this creator logos. And the problem many times that we have, not all of us, but some of us do, is we have this very small myopic provincial understanding of Jesus Christ and we miss his cosmic and meta significance in our life and in our world and in our culture. So last week we talked about how we can break through, if you would, how we can make tracks and move forward with God in this brand new years. And we said we need to align 
if there is a logos, if there is a purpose, a word, a wisdom, a logic, a rationality to life, then if we're gonna make a difference in this new year, then we need to align your life with the logos so that you can deal with the chaos, right? Because what should we expect in 2023? Probably some chaos, okay? Challenges, chaos. Expect, if you would, the unexpected because we do not know what will happen. We just don't. God does, but we don't. So why not align ourselves with God's logos, God's wisdom, God's purpose, and he can enable us to power through and deal with the chaos that all of us will have to deal with in our lives in 2023. So at this point in John's message, in this most critical passage in the Bible, everybody's tracking with him the Platonists, the uh, Stoics, um, all, all these folks, the Jewish philosophers, they're tracking with this, the Logos, the Logos, this wisdom, this rationality, this reason, this purpose. Okay, you're, you're saying this Logos created? Okay, that's new, that's fresh. He's about to lose them here as John drops the bomb in John 1, verse 14. Look what he says about the Logos. He says, the Logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us. His dwelling. He's referring back to the Old Testament when God would dwell with his people in the tabernacle. Okay, that's where God's dwelling place was. Some people will pray, God tabernacle among us. You've always wondered, what does that mean? That's what it means right here. Okay, so the Logos became flesh, made his dwelling, his tabernacle, his place among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now what he has done is he's given Logos a face. John's given Logos an address. He is saying the Logos, the infinite, co-equal, co-eternal spirit, wisdom, power of creation, sustainer of life and existence has entered into our reality in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that's what exploded into the Roman and Mediterranean world in the first century. And that's why it is the predominant worldview around the globe today. The infinite has entered into the finite. Heaven has come to earth. The logos, the reason, the transcendent power and force that made everything has become a person in Jesus Christ. The abstract ideas have become concrete and have become personalized. And now we see that Jesus is God's expression to him of himself to you and to me. And this passage shows us too how the Logos revealed what you and I need the most. God comes to earth, God makes a cameo God enters into human flesh. He enters into our own 
chaos and problems and pain and suffering and hard work, he enters right into the middle of it and shows us what you and I need the most. We see it there. God came to earth in Christ. The Logos becomes flesh. The Logos becomes a person full of what we need, grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus Christ was the perfect balance of grace and truth. Grace and truth. And that's what you and I need. That's what we need in our life. That's what we need to deal with expectations and when things go awry and when we're dealing with chaos and problems at work and at home and with others and within ourselves, we need a fresh experience, not just mentally, but emotionally in our soul of God's grace and God's truth. We need grace and truth. And throughout the rest of this magnificent piece of art called the Gospel of John, we see how Jesus embodied this to others needing his grace and truth. We could go to chapter three and there's Nicodemus. He's a brilliant uh, politician and judge and religious leader. He needs truth. He needs to understand if he's gonna experience God that he needs to be born again. We could go to John four and the woman at the well who's been divorced and remarried five times. She was currently living with someone who was not her spouse and Jesus gave her grace and forgiveness and hope and a new path. We could go to the next chapter, John chapter five, and we see a man who's been lame sitting by the pool of Bethesda for years and years and years and Jesus gives him truth and saying, hey, do you really want to get well? Or do you like playing this victim card? And then Jesus healed him, gave him, gave him grace. Grace and truth, grace and truth all throughout this book. And that's what we need. That's what we need in this brand new year in 2023. That's what I need. And that's what you need. It's God's grace and truth. And we need more grace. We need more grace and more mercy. Because God is not finished with us yet. God is working a plan in our lives. He still has a plan for our lives. You know, I've messed up and I've done some really stupid things and I've got out of alignment. I've done, yeah, I know that. God knows that. Most of the characters in the Bible who wrote this Bible have also done that. But you can't thwart the logos, the purpose, and the wisdom of God in your life. You just need to ask for more grace and more truth. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, just look at it here. It says, but he gives us more grace. God God gives us more grace. God gives us more unmerited favor and love and mercy. He gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. He opposes the proud but he shows his, his favor 
his mercy, his love, his truth to the humble. Do you remember, some of you are old enough to, to remember this, like me. Do you remember the good old days when, when filling stations and gas stations were really filling stations and gas stations? Remember, you didn't have to pump the gas yourself, right? You didn't have to get out of the stinking car, right? Or motorcycle or yellow, wherever you're in, right? You, just, you pull up and there'll be a black kind of hose, air hose, and it'd go, ding, ding, ding. Somebody would run out, maybe have a little bow tie on. You'd crank down the window of your car and help you. They would do all the things, right? They would check the oil and check some other filters. They would check the air on your tires. They would, you know, clean and, you know, wash off the, the, the dirt of your windshield and of course, one of the things I heard as a little kid growing up and when you pull into a station, the first thing that we would say would be what? Fill her up. Fill her up. Fill her up. Why? Because we don't have gas, right? We don't have, I mean, a lot of us in here are in the oil and gas business, but we don't have the authority and the access to get it directly. We've got to go through someone else and we have to ask for them to put that in our car to fill it up, to give us energy and power to make our way in our particular vehicle. We would say, fill her up, fill her up. So that's what we have to do day in and day out in this brand new year as we continue a relationship with God or as we come back to God in this new year. We've got to humbly ask God, fill her up. Fill me up with your grace and your truth. As a parent raising kids, as a grandparent helping out with your grandkids, you got to say, God, fill her up. Humbly ask God, fill me up with your grace and your truth and your wisdom to deal with this situation. If you're a student and you're in J high or high school and you're trying to make it through the craziness that is those years, okay? You need to ask God, God, fill her up. God, I need your grace and truth to make sense of what's going on in my life and my world to move forward. Humbly ask God to fill her up, fill you up with his grace and truth. If you're going through a time of pain and disappointment and dealing with so much loss and unmet expectations in your life, humbly ask God, fill her up. God, I need your grace and your truth. And God is faithful. God gives us the grace, he gives us the truth we need day by day by day. And, and we know that he's not finished with us yet. But what God started, he will finish. Monday night, the world seemed to stop. We watched live on TV, young 24-year-old guy, DeMar Hamlin, defensive back for the Buffalo Bills, tackle like he had many times. And get up and then he collapsed and died on the field in that game in Cincinnati. He died twice on the field. 
the first responders and paramedics brought him back to life and got him and took him to the hospital there. And it's like everybody in our country and in our world just joined together to pray for this young man, Damar, bring him back to life. Even ESPN, okay? One of their commentators prayed for over a minute live on the air to the God they usually mock to heal and to bring DeMar back to life. Millions of dollars poured into his GoFundMe campaign that he had to help raise money for kids who needed toys. And there was an outpouring of prayer and giving in our country. And, but it did not look good at all. But something happened through the miracle of medicine and the power of millions of people praying. He came back to life, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, you can clap for that. God is good. And when he's awake, I just, I love this, being from Texas and loving sports and football like we did. The first thing he wanted to know when he is awake, he wrote down three words on a piece of paper. Did we win? <laughs> Did we win? Hey, yes, you won, Tamar, because God brought you back to life and he's not finished with you yet. He has more plans for you. And you know what? God's not finished with you yet. And what God started in your life, he will finish by his grace and by his truth.